Hello, folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism in order to find common ground that brings us together. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. And today we've got, well, we've sort of got another grab bag, but it's a grab bag with a focus. It's It's got direction. It's going places. No, it's <laughs> Unlike uh, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, today we're going to be talking about, you know, big business and some of these big corporations, telecom corporations and stuff, and some of their rather skeezy practices. But aside from that, we're also highlighting the fact, you know, here on the show, we we bang on the media and journalists we all the time. We love to beat journalists to death we over do. their we shoddy beat them work. to death. But today we've got five stories that we wouldn't know anything about were it not for journalists out there doing the work. So that's that's not to say that there aren't you know, still good journalism, uh, people doing good journalism out there at your CNETs and, and you know, some of your more right. under the radar places. You know, I think some of these stories the today come from Engadget, Wired, yeah, um, and the like. And and we're going to try, look, we, we name and shame journalists that we don't like. So we're going to try to give credit where credit is due and shout out these folks. And uh, I think people that do good work deserve your support. So, you know, maybe go start reading Engadget and, and Wired. They've done some really good reporting, at yeah. least in this last couple of years. Or maybe check out The Intercept, which is actually a place politically that I share very little in common with. But I got to tell you, like when me and, and The Intercept get on the same page, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful, right? Uh, so on January 9th, Ring, which is the smart doorbell company owned by Amazon, uh, sent a letter to senators in response to their November inquiry into the company's privacy standards. And uh, the letter basically said that over the last four years, Ring has fired four employees for improperly accessing customers' video feeds. Oh, and this oh is, boy. This is something, you know, the Congress had been investigating. I forget which subcommittee exactly. And they, they went to Ring and they said, uh, you know, you're starting to get a lot of access to to people's homes and everything. Are, are you guys, you know, keeping an eye on right? Things? And this is the same ring we talked about, uh, I think, earlier this year um, that uh, ha- was giving law enforcement access to to camera feeds and right. stuff. So essentially, they were contacting local police departments and giving them uh, access to customers' feeds, and and you could opt into it, I believe. Yeah. Um, but essentially the way I see it is, is ring is like this giant surveillance network. It's built on, uh, you know, cameras on your front door and they're connected to your phones and that's all fine and dandy as long as we can maintain some standard of privacy. Right. right. I think we expect when we put a ring camera in our homes, um, that people aren't just watching us. Well, I actually, I'd like you to pump brakes and back up on that's just fine and dandy because here's the thing. Ring is actively encouraging the people who install Ring cameras. Like one of their stated goals is we're going to build the ultimate neighborhood watch. This mm. is going to be great. You're going to have this little camera that's on your front door by your, your doorbell or whatever, and we're going to use that feed along with your neighbors who also hopefully have Ring for forty nine ninety five or whatever the hell it costs, and we're going to build... Uh, basically the surveillance network from Batman so that we can watch all everywhere at any time. And that's exactly what it is. I mean, they've been doing work on facial recognition technology, and the mm-hmm. idea is that if if your house gets broken into, 
Uh, maybe your camera didn't get the right angle, but your neighbor's got a camera, Which and your neighbor's did, neighbors right. has a camera. And you know, even if they parked their car around the corner, whoop, we're gonna find them, and we can just pump their photo through our little search database, and we'll yep. pick up every instance in the world that we've ever seen this person on camera. And and I gotta tell you, the 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 conspiracy theorist in me, like this is how they get you, man. Like my whole life, I was like, you know, Big Brother, man, and and, and it's always. You always think of it in terms of like the government, right? The government's going to put up these traffic cams and they're going to be watching us. And oh, what's that? Chicago or London or wherever wants to put a camera on every street yeah. corner and monitor everybody's face. No, man, they're going to get you to do it. They're going to get you <laughs> to put it in your house form and actually pay them to do it. You know what <laughs> I mean? Right. Like, oh, man, dude, that, that stuff drives me nuts. So you you hope that at least with whatever video feeds and data they do have that ring is being responsible, right? Well, they sent that letter to Congress on January 9th, the following day on January 10th, Sam Biddle at the intercept published a piece alleging that ring had also granted full access to every video ever recorded by ring camera to a Ukrainian based research arm of the company, hoping to improve its facial recognition uh, capabilities. So they gave full access to a and not to paint all Ukrainians as corrupt, but one of the most corrupt <laughs> countries yeah. on the planet. Which we all know now is one of the, yeah, <laughs> one of the most corrupt places ever. Un, unfettered access and, and not just those guys. Uh, they gave access to round the clock live feeds of some customers' cameras to us based executives and engineers, whether the job required it or not. Now, when we're talking about power and consolidating power, we're talking about Amazon as one of the most powerful businesses in the world. We don't know who these executives are, right. but imagine being that guy. Now, the entire database of ring cameras is in your possession with unfettered access. You are looking up what your rivals are doing. I mean, I don't care who you... Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. You're going to find dirt on people. Blackmail. You're going to listen to conversations in people's houses. Well, they said... Business meetings. I can't imagine the scope of abuse. They were were talking about like it was a joke amongst some of the... uh, some of the tech guys and the engineers or stuff on staff, they'd be like, Hey, we saw you brought home that girl last night. And so here's the thing, like on, on one hand, okay, this guy is watching that guy and that guy, then next week is going to watch that guy. And, and, you know, at least they're, but that girl has no idea that any of that's going on. Sure. Right. That's all just happening at ring without her knowledge. And now she's been recorded and whatever they got down to wherever that camera's pointing. And you saw all that. You got to imagine that, this has been going on for some time. Like you got ADT security systems. Mm-hmm. No one's ever raised qualms about that, but you actually pay them to monitor your feed. So, right. you know, you got to think that stuff like this has been going on. Why is it now coming out about Amazon? Well, partly because Amazon's everyone's favorite bad guy. You know, we right. love to hate him, but, but part of that is because it's so big. Yeah. You know, I don't think, I don't think ADT is on the scope of, of ring. I, right. I don't know that for a fact. Well, and I don't, I don't think that the, uh, I don't think ADT, I'm sure maybe they're doing something comparable now, but Ring built its house on this this camera technology and going straight to your phones and everything. Right. ADT was, you know, largely a, a monitoring system for a long time. And ADT has built up some capital and earned some trust sure. with the public, you know. Yeah, who, by not having stories like this, <laughs> right? <break. laughs> but here's the thing, you know, you might be saying to yourself, you know, well, 
okay, you know, it's messed up that they were giving it to the Ukrainian research arm and, and, and the executives and engineers, but at least that's people who work at ring and, you know, at least they're, they're hopefully they take the responsibility <laughs> seriously. Well, no, the feeds and recordings were also left unencrypted in a cost saving measure. And on top of that, this database was allegedly searchable by camera location address and had no measures to ensure that customers' identities couldn't be matched to the files. So even if you had no, even if you did not work at Ring and somehow managed to break in and gain access, it, it wasn't going to take very much for you to match A with B and, and figure and out who it was. Let's talk for a second about those magic words, left unencrypted. That's amazing. I yeah. mean, that means that anywhere you get into this system where videos are being transferred, you can pluck them out of the stream and they are raw video watchable. Typically you would encrypt it. You scramble it on one server before it's sent over and it's sent over the line scrambled. That way, if there's a attacker in the middle, a man in the middle, they intercept it. It's just garbage to them. Right. It means nothing. This means that if any, any system is, is compromised, Mm -hmm. Anywhere this stuff's being sent, it's it's all out in the open. Right. I mean, for a for a company this big, a tech company nonetheless, Amazon runs a third of the web. Yeah. You know, for for this type of boondog, I just can't. I, I'm I'm flabbergasted. Yeah. I'm totally flabbergasted. Well, the good news is, like we said, at least they were sending you know every video that they've ever recorded somewhere safe where we don't have to worry about hackers like the Ukraine, <laughs> right? Because there's no hackers over there, right? Don't put ring cameras in your bedrooms. Don't put them on your front doors, guys. Go buy the the Chinese crap that you that you know has back doors built into it. Firewall it off or something. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I know somebody that has a ring system. Uh, it 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 is handy, but that's it's the cool. thing. That's the thing. I got to admit, it you is get, cool. You pull up your phone and yeah. you've got feeds anywhere in the world of your house. It's but, cool. But but that's how they seduce you, man. Please, for the love of God, everyone, please do not help them build a surveillance network over <laughs> the entire country. But, but we're going to, and we're going to because I don't think any of us that, that are consumers of Ring really have anything to lose. I don't think the average person... You know, a CEO, a CEO that, that's in competition with Amazon or in competition with Ring, buddy, you got everything to lose because any one of those assholes can listen to your conversations and figure out what moves you're making before you make them. Yeah, but, but I think the average person just just doesn't care. No, but I, I but I think no, I think there is like there's this like chilling effect. Not to mention for for smaller potato things yeah you absolutely do like you know that time that you know you're not really supposed to have a fire pit in city limits but you went out <laughs> back and you started a fire well now that's a part of the surveillance network you it's know there on new forever years, you're not really supposed to like you know pop a pop a couple shots in the air on new oh, year's please not in the air in the ground in the yeah, ground no, absolutely people, hey don't people do die that. every year from falling bullets yeah so just don't, saying don't do that but at the same time like there's there's none of that stuff anymore. None of those little cheat because they're always watching, bro. Yeah. I mean, living in a world where they're always watching, no, I'd say that does affect the consumer. Man. <laughs> I you know hope so. Saying? I hope so. I, for one, I pledge now I will <laughs> never buy a ring camera for my house. Guys, do the same. Yeah, me either. All, all you thieves, feel free to come on over. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, moving on from a haphazard, irresponsible company like Ring, to a, a bastion of corporate virtue like Apple. Oh, boy. Uh, we've got this story from Daniel Cooper over at Engadget. France's competition and fraud body, the DGCCRF, because who doesn't love a really long acronym, 
uh, has fined Apple $25 million, uh, I'm sorry, 25 million francs, $27 million for intentionally slowing the performance of older iPhones. The issue, which centered on battery management, was seen by many as an attempt to force users to upgrade before they needed to. Apple would eventually disclose the feature, but has agreed to pay the fine and display a press release prominently on its French website. And I'll just note real quick, the press release on Apple's French website has to read that the company has been found by France to have engaged in a, engaged in a deceptive business practice and has paid a fine in the matter. They've got to keep that up on their French website for a month. And good for good for France. And, and we broke this story uh, a while back, yep. I think, way, way, way back. Um, and everyone who listened knows how we feel about this. I feel like there was no other explanation. You can make a case that they were trying to make the phone, you know, user performance better. I think anyone who's got a brain looks at this and goes, no, they were slowing phones down to, you know, speed up the sales of the new, of the new generation. Well, hang on though. You, you don't think, you don't think there was any issues with the battery. What do you mean? Well, the batteries were the batteries were given up, right? Well, I mean, that, they were that, I, so they lose charge. Ostensibly, sure. the idea was right. They had a flaw when they pushed out the upgrade, and it was burning the batteries down. They had phones shutting down on people from like eighty. What was it like eighty percent charge? And then all of a sudden, blah, I don't. Th- was that, that wasn't the same issue. I don't. Well, that's that's a conflation of two different issues. I don't think that is what Apple was saying. Is why they did what they've you know been alleged to do is yeah. that they. So, Obviously, the French court didn't agree because that's well, not a deceptive business practice. Well, no, it I, is a deceptive business practice because they didn't tell anybody. That's the problem is is the deception here is that they pushed out another update that slowed the phones down. Now, you say it was to encourage people to upgrade their phones. Oh, they sure. say, and, and by looking at, it, it, well, let me, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So when this broke, there was actually a guy at Reddit that looked at that update patch and he went through it. And the whole reason this story broke is because he could tell from the update patch that they were trying to protect the battery, that they were doing things to save and extend the life of the battery. And so when confronted with it, Apple was like, hey, you got us, you know what I'm saying? Put up their hands. And then they were like, Hey, we were just trying to keep your phones from shutting down. So they, you know, wouldn't, and they added a check and mark that, that lets you enable or disable the feature. <laughs> yeah. Fairly and, quickly. And, and, and then eventually they got, you know, raked over the coals for it. So eventually they did the battery replacement thing where they gave everyone uh, $50 off a of battery replacement, put new batteries in the phone yeah. and they've been working fine. I think you can make a case. I mean, to me, what, what France is busting them for is not telling anybody that they tried to fix it. So I think it's plausible that they screwed up by using cheap or inferior batteries or by trying to push a battery too far. And instead of coming out and saying our products suck and this is what's happening, we're going to have to slow your phones down for them to work. They tried to do it on the See, sneak. I feel like I feel like you're always ready to give them the benefit of the doubt and it's and it's not a benefit of the doubt that I'm willing to give because I know that they're working for shareholders. Everyone in that chain wants to see a large return. They had a new product launch, mm-hmm. and the timing is just just so perfect well, to roll this out 
at your new product launch. So people start going, oh, my phone sucks. Hmm, that iPhone 10 looks mighty good. Oh, my phone's slow. Oh, it's slow. Eh. I go buy the iPhone 10. No big deal. Well, but here's the thing. I think that that's completely, like, that's also a possibility, right? So they say, okay, look, these batteries are shutting the phones down too quickly. This is what we're going to do to try to fix them so people stop saying, because there was, like, stories in the news of people's phones shutting down. Yeah. Um, this is what we're going to try to do to fix it. And if this slowdown convinces people to upgrade their phones so much, the better. So I'm not. Be it. See, that's the thing. You're saying I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not saying that what they did wasn't shady. Yeah. But I'm saying, do I think that Apple was like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tank these phones in an obvious way that a guy from Reddit could figure out. I feel like. And just hope we don't get caught. Yeah. I feel like a manager somewhere, a programming manager somewhere along the line was like, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna make this feature, guys. Make this. And no one asked any questions, and he was probably the the mastermind. You know, he <laughs> knew what he was doing. He's probably getting paid bonuses for sales or something. Who knows? You know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm imagining all this. <laughs> it's just too perfect not to be that way to me. <laughs> no, I get it. Uh, the thing to remember though is also and to, and to give you know to give you credit. Apple is notorious for lobbying against right to repair laws and being super protective over the inner workings of its iPhones, uh, going so far as to develop proprietary screws to prevent owners from replacing their own batteries. And that was actually that was just because they needed better screws. The force <laughs> from from normal screws was not good enough, so they needed special screws to hold together their very special parts. No, they There's... actually they say straight up that they put those screws in there so you can't get in their phone. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, At you least know, they admitted that, yeah. that screwery. Well, that actually, I, wanted, like to, that I wanted to highlight. That was pretty good. Yeah. You, you caught me slipping. Uh, I wanted to highlight that Jordan McMahon over at Wired wrote a piece detailing a number of ways that Apple could have handled the entire thing better. They they could have told people, hey, here's what's up. We're going to throttle your phone down. Sure, in the uh, release notes of the, of because the new update. He did he did bring up a good point that there is something that tech companies are going to come up against, especially like, you know, with phones and whatnot, is that there are going to be times where if you've moved on to the iPhone 11 and you're working on the iPhone 11 and you're pushing out updates for the iPhone 11 – it might have weird effects on the iPhone 7 right. or the iPhone It is 8. a nightmare to develop software right. for a large swath of devices. Some have 800 megahertz processing power and some 8,000. So yeah. how do you know? So but it is a problem. I feel like a company like Apple, being the behemoth that they are who've created all these devices, that's their problem. Right. If you sell me an iPhone 8, I expect my iPhone 8 to work exactly as well as it did the day. I mean, barring wear and tear, barring a battery that's worn out that obviously I'll go replace. But right. the software, I expect it to work forever. Right. Even even no matter how advanced the new oh, absolutely. update gets. Sure. I mean, you can pull out your Game Boy from 1983. And run 1989 exactly. right. games on. I wouldn't expect the new software to be supported by my old phone, but, but doing exactly what that old phone did at the time I bought it, right. I certainly expect that to be maintained. So what I took McMahon to be saying over Wired was he was saying, I think that in part, we have to realize that you can't make a 2004 game play on a 1989 Game Boy. Sure. But then also, yes, this is absolutely not the way to handle this very big problem for tech companies going forward, and they're going to have to find a better way to do gonna it. They're going to have to find a better way to do it. That's how yeah. I feel. And I feel like, and and with another one of these stories, we'll kind of get into it too, I feel like there is kind of a Wild West um, when it comes to software. 
Yeah. What do what do consumers expect? What what do we have the right to when we purchase software? All these things are kind of up in the air between licensing and ownership. Like, mm-hmm. you know, do, if you buy a piece of software today, um, can you expect it to work in 10 years? I don't know. Right. Windows 7 is is ending security support, you know, on a 10-year-old operating system and pushing everyone on a Windows 10, which I have to say is absolute garbage. Um, <laughs> anyway, we've had trouble in the studio with it. That's why I'm uh, cursing it up and up and down. But uh, not to mix, not to mention that fact checker bot boy that that went horrendously wrong <laughs> right hopefully yeah. that won't be working about three days after the episode came out i could use my right arm again so nobody worry at home but, <laughs> yeah. so our next story is another favorite villain <laughs> uh mr elon musk over at tesla uh tesla has apparently remotely removed autopilot features from a customer's used tesla Without any notice, this, and of course, probably saved his life, <laughs> raises <laughs> issues um, about, you know, software and, and whether we own it, how we own it, how those licenses are transferred, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the story was broken, I believe, by Jalopnik. Uh, Jason Torchinsky uh, describes the plight of a man identified only as Alec, who bought a used Tesla Model S from a third party dealer. Uh, The dealer had acquired the car from Tesla itself at auction. Uh, The car had previously been returned under a California lemon law for some unrelated issues. Uh, I think it was the the border around the the screen inside had a yellow bar or something. tint to it or something. Right. So uh, according to the dealer, uh, that was listed as being optioned with Tesla's enhanced autopilot and full self-driving features. Those are, of course, features that retail for $8,000. Yep. Um, the title shows that the sale took place on November 15th of last year. Uh, in an invoice sent to Alec, Tesla confirms that on November 18th, three days after the auction sale, but before Alec had purchased the car from the dealer, Tesla conducted an audit of the car's systems remotely and removed the two features. Um, so the features didn't work when Alec bought the car, but he and the dealer assumed that it was a bug because the dealer was actually able to test the car the autopilot yeah. and and used the autopilot uh with with no problem but of yeah. course when Alec got the car uh the features were not in the car's system and, well and, and the important thing to note is so the the option was on the screen and they couldn't get it to work that day at the dealership but then when Alec took it home he did an update and when he did an update, probably assuming it would fix whatever bug had right. stopped him from the icons disappeared. And so then actually, because Tesla had not fixed what the car had been returned for under the California lemon law, the yellow border around the screen, uh, because of that and the absence of the self-driving feature, he actually took the car to Tesla and was like, can you fix these issues for us? So, when that happened, they sent him this invoice that was like, no, we've actually, we conducted this audit three days after this car, this isn't, car supposed isn't supposed to have and so this. we took it off and he got upset. He called Tesla customer service and this is what he was told. Tesla has recently identified instances of customers being incorrectly configured for autopilot versions that they did not pay for. Since there was an audit done to correct these instances, your vehicle is one of the vehicles that was incorrectly configured for autopilot. We looked back at your purchase history, and unfortunately, full self-driving was not a feature that you had paid for. 
We apologize for the confusion. If you are still interested in having these additional features, we can begin the process to purchase the upgrade. And and this is like, to me, it's the ultimate slap in the face because regardless of whether he had priced out this Tesla in his head and thought like, oh, that's cheap for a, for a Tesla, Tesla with all these features. Auto, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, the fact is that the car was listed as having those features and and is confirmed as having those features. When he bought that car, he bought it on the assumption that that $8,000 package was built in. So to me, he owns it. It well, is his. Let me, let me put a little caveat here, right? When I look at this story, all right, and then when you look at the accompanying documents and everything, a lot of that whole, it, it all hinges on when the dealer bought the car at auction, did Tesla say it was going to have these driving features? Now, chances are that they did, especially if you listen to their own story. They said that they audited it three days later right. and realized it was on there and took it off, right? But we're going off the Moroni sticker, or however you say it. I forget what the proper name is for it. But basically, you know, the sticker you see in a Windows car when you're buying it that says uh, it's, it's fuel mileage right, and all that stuff. Right. That was listed as the options, you know, it, it having it on there. But there's some speculation about whether the Moroni sticker that's being presented, whether that's the sticker that was on the car when it was originally sold before it was returned for the California Lemon Law, or if that's the sticker as it existed the day the dealer looked at it. Yeah. Now, the dealer says that, you know, he got in the car and he was able to drive, but it all hinges on this dealer. And the dealer is the person who is at least a little suspiciously absent from this Jalopnik story. Like he's got like a quote, but you know, it's mainly Alec. So I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm See, just saying Tesla I guess to me, hasn't said yet. Yeah. And, and, and I'd be, I'm, I'm super interested to hear what, right. what Tesla says about this, because it, to me, it raises a lot of questions that no one has asked because we really haven't, you know, had reason to Yeah, like if this was a subscription service, Right. We wouldn't have this conversation. Yeah. Right. No, like if it was knows. OnStar, you pay 50 bucks a month yeah. for it. You sell the car. OnStar's gone unless you pick if up the you subscription. If you buy a used car that is OnStar enabled, you know you don't get OnStar. This is a little a different. Car. This right. is a package that you buy for a one time fee up front when you buy the car. Um, it'd be a lot like selling the sport package. Yeah. Uh, with the upgraded alloy wheels, and then you sell the car, and the dealer comes and takes the wheels off of the c- person who <laughs> yeah. just bought the car right. from you. Right. It's 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 a little weird, and I don't see like the only way I can see Tesla being in the right here um, is if that service was hacked, right. if someone modified the software, put this turned the service on because they've got some zero day exploit, and on audit, Tesla realized, hey, this isn't supposed to be here. If it was Tesla's mistake, even, I'll give them that. If it yeah. was just a mistake and this feature was turned on by accident, sold to the dealer, that's that's I'm sorry, guys, that's your loss. Right. You messed up. You sold a car right. and didn't and didn't recoup the cost for it. The sale's done. Yeah. yeah. Uh seller beware. So I think I think the likeliest scenario here is that what they intended to do is when they received the car. You know, under the lemon law, they intended to take that out, to take out the, the self-driving stuff. Um, and then but, sell it cheaper. But, like, yeah, and sell it cheaper. But then, you know, wires got crossed. They didn't take it out. And they only caught it because they did an audit. And the audit didn't happen until three days after. So I'm, I'm completely right there with you. The dealer, that's the price that was listed for the options that the car had. So it should absolutely have those options. Um, I don't think that, you know, Tesla, but... 
But the thing is, is like when I when I look at the the case that Alec is you know presenting or alleging or the idea that's kind of catching some traction in this story is like Tesla thinks that they can sell this car and then take back the features and everything. Here's okay, and that's the business model of the Tesla in a lot of ways is that this car, all these cars are full featured, and they enable via software those features. So right. But there's, it's never, never going to hold up ever. What do you mean? Because it's exactly like the dealer coming to your house three days later and taking the wheels off your car. Well, we don't allow that. The only reason I'd say that, that I think there's a chance this will hold up. There's no ambiguity. Even it is because of license agreements. It all depends on that fine print. Well, let me, there are non-transferable licenses. Perhaps in the in the license agreement, you said this license is non-transferable. Thus, when you sell the car, eh, sorry, the license doesn't come with you, sucker. You're buying a used Tesla. Right. You got to pay the eight grand. But again. like we just said, unfortunately, with the set of circumstances that happened when they acquired the car, you would still, even if that that for one, that fine print would be in another contract. It wouldn't even be It'd in the be contract in your purchase that he contract, would sign for I'm the sure. car. I bet a Tesla contract looks way different from like a normal contract. You're buying a car. I, well, I, okay, it's it, it's possible. But what I'm saying is they would still lose their case because it would uh, allegedly listed on the Moroni sticker and he was able to test drive it with those features right. enabled. And it, so you see what I'm saying? What I'm getting at is is that this is like one of the all-time stupid evil plans because there's no way for it to come. So so one of the things that you have to understand about Tesla, too, is the original purchaser of the car, right? Because I, I saw some people talking about whether or not the confusion was because the original person who purchased the car had uh, let something lapse or, or something. I forget exactly what it was. And whether it should have been turned off on him or something, maybe he was making payments. Okay, and didn't make the payments, and it, the payments yeah. and it should have been shut off on him. Um, but but that's back there. And the thing is, is that Tesla, if you when you buy the uh, Tesla and you you get that package, you're not allowed to carry it over to a different model Tesla. So huh. you don't actually. You, it's not something that you've bought. It's it a is part tied of the, to car, the car, just like the engine or power windows or any other feature. Interesting. It is a part of the car. So the idea that you can then go and start stripping features off. Right. Of you used can't car, have it both ways. You can't do that. And and <laughs> and here's the thing. Like I, well, this is a place where I'm way more inclined to believe in 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 a corporation's ineptitude. <laughs> then, then they're they're all out evil and because I, it's a I shitty think you're evil probably, plan. Yeah, I I don't think that this was that this was intentionally done. It's it's horrible PR for one. Your your Tesla, you yeah. don't want any P, any yeah, bad you PR. Wanna, you want to stand behind this? You want to come out and say, <laughs> hey, if we if you buy a used Tesla, we'll take anything off of it that we want. But and and I I just feel like. No, this wasn't an evil plan, but the evil plan lurks behind this story. And that is that in in the new era of technology mm-hmm. and devices, even filtering down to, you know, we've talked about tractors with software that that is, you know, disables and costs ludicrous amounts of money. In this new era of technology, the companies that we buy this stuff from have power and ultimate control over our devices windows windows 10 just just this week went through a big hoopla where 
a server at Microsoft went down and search stopped working. Local mm-hmm. search on your computer. You couldn't even search your hard drive because some service, some network service at Microsoft wasn't operating correctly. So we're in this era where we we purchase things for full price, but we don't own them. Right. It's not yours anymore. And and in fact, someone at Tesla can completely shut down your car while you're driving it and and you have no recourse. I mean, obviously through the courts. Yeah. If you're lucky enough to have money to go through the courts or if, you know, and how long does it take? 6 months? A year? 2 years? Yeah. You know, in the meantime, you're stuck with a $48,000 hunk of junk that for whatever reason Tesla has decided to disable. I I'm not comfortable in that world. Right. And I don't know how to how to fix that. Well, <laughs> I I mean, don't I'm, buy a Tesla. I'm going to say it again. Yeah, I'm going to say it again. I think it's important for Jason Torchensky to report this story so that consumers can make an informed choice. If Tesla's going to say, hey, we can shut your shit off, then we stop buying Teslas. And if, if you buy Tesla... If I know anything you know, about consumers and about big business, um, it's that consumers can affect things, but man, the flow is going towards... Is but, going is going this way, right? But, but this is where the flow is going. Like resisting against it is like swimming up a waterfall, man. So well, but here's the thing: is like, is I I, I don't care about that part ultimately. Like because here's the thing: if if in my opinion, if you know this and you go buy a Tesla and they disable your your full service driving package, hey bro, Sorry, you got exactly what you paid sucker. for. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, or you it's, didn't. I mean, I mean yeah, case, well, like, that, that, that's what I'm getting at, though. I mean, you, you know, you bought from somebody that you knew does that. I mean, I, I can't, you know, I, I can't like those door what are we handles, do though. There? Those door handles, though, super sweet. <laughs> I will. Super su- have you seen a Tesla door open? Oh, no, man. I, haven't. Oh, I, I saw that hideous truck. That, oh, uh, I love it. Really? really? You don't like the Cybertruck? No, I hate the Cybertruck. What? It's straight out of Mad Max. It's straight out of like a Super Nintendo. It's oh, like pixelated. Yeah, it looks like I mean, FX Racer. <laughs> yeah, it does. FX Racer. I will. I as, love as just, the Cybertruck. As, as the cherry on top of this story. The, the, the ramp. The ramp that comes down. It's. You don't like the Cybertruck. We're going to fist fight, right? Are you about to buy a Cybertruck? Is that what you're going to do? I would would buy a Cybertruck. Okay, get the Cybertruck. We'll put it up against a Hemi and see what happens. That's (laughs) the only way to decide this. They already done it, man. The Cybertruck pulled the Hemi up the hill. Although there was some, uh, some, some... question about whether it was a legit test did you yeah. not see that no i didn't see <laughs> yeah people were were knocking tesla saying well you set them up and blah, 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 blah. i don't know <laughs> it looked like the truck pulled the freaking hemi i don't know man <laughs> anyway well interestingly alec uh contacted tesla used vehicle sales advisors and asked them if he could save money purchasing a used tesla if he requested that the two features be removed the representative told him once the systems are on a car the company simply will not remove it. Oh, well, that blows everything so, out the water, doesn't so, it? Like, well, they just said it right there. Well, what I'm saying, yeah, Tesla has no idea what they're doing. In my <laughs> oh, um, going to a, a another benign corporate entity that only has our best interests at heart, let's talk about AT&T for a second. Oh, my so, favorite. <laughs> over at Ars Technica, John Brodkin highlights how AT&T is doing exactly what it told Congress it wouldn't do when its acquisition slash merger with Time Warner was before the Antitrust Committee in 2016. 
AT&T is withholding Time Warner-owned shows from Netflix and other streaming services to give its planned HBO Max service, uh, which is supposed to be launched this year, uh, more exclusive content. That's right. Shows like Friends, Big Bang Theory, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, they've recently been pulled or simply kept off of rival streaming services uh, at a cost and lost revenue of $1.2 billion to AT&T. Exactly. From the article, in December 2016, AT&T CEO Randall Stevenson told a Senate antitrust subcommittee that AT&T would continue to distribute Time Warner content as widely as possible instead of restricting it to AT&T's own platforms. (laughs) Stevenson is quoted as saying, quote, nor is there any reason to believe we could use Time Warner programming or AT&T networks to hurt related markets. Simply put, it would be irrational business behavior to do so. Time Warner's programming is more valuable when distributed to as many eyes as possible. Moreover, in order to have great programming, it is imperative that we attract great creative talent to develop it. The best way to attract that talent is through widespread distribution of Time Warner content. Right. Now, I would like to make an interesting case to you. I would like to make the case that, in part, he did not lie. There's no, you can't make the case. I can. I can. Change my view. He said, simply put, that it would be irrational business behavior to do so, and they lost $1.2 billion. (laughs) But, but, But they're doing the classic... The, the classic long game. They lost $1.2 billion they could have made this year licensing that content. Yeah. The key is when they when they turn their... Well, it's going to flop. It's going to anyway, flop. When they, when they turn their platform into a monster, you know, they're banking on $10 billion, $20 yeah, billion, $30 hoping, billion, recurring revenues for the, life. Yeah, and the good news is, is that AT&T is, is terribly run, and Time Warner was no better, and so now it's just double time. They honestly believe... <laughs> I mean, I mean, think. Look, look at this damn story. They think they're going to sell a streaming service on the strength of Friends, The Big Bang Theory. No, there, the there's Prince more than that. It's, it's HBO shows. Oh yeah, Game of Thrones. There, yeah, there's some monsters. Game of Thrones might, you know, maybe. Dude, <laughs> that was probably their big plan. So, so they're was trying Game of Thrones. <laughs> so, so here's a company that is desperately trying to deal with the fact that they are hemorrhaging cable subscribers every every sure. day. And so now all they've of a sudden, finally seen the writing on the seven wall. Seven years late, they've decided that they're going to try to flip over and start a streaming service. But the problem is, is that it, it's saturated, which is There's exactly nowhere. what regulators were concerned with back in 2016. Okay, that's exactly what regulators were concerned with. They voiced their concerns. The CEO said, "No, we're not going to withhold our content from other networks to launch our own." And then they withheld content from other networks to launch their own. Right? right. They did. <laughs> They absolutely did. If if we're going into a Senate antitrust committee and whether or not we approve the merger hinges on what the CEO of AT&T says, we have huge problems. <laughs> well, we so, do. We so do have huge thing. problems. So here's the thing. We do. He did. He lied. Um, this is yet another one. I, I don't care. I don't care. They're tanking their company. They're tanking Time Warner. At some point, Netflix or somebody is going to be able to scoop up a whole bunch of Time Warner properties for real cheap. So it's not like this shit's going to go in a vault and never see the light of day again. 
I, you know, I, I mean, don't know, man. I don't see, I don't see their HBO service tanking. HBO is a huge brand. It is a huge brand. They have it's a huge not what it used following. to be, bro. It's not what it used to be, but I, I, I think that means it sticks around in some form or fashion. I don't think it just goes away. Yeah. Um. I think people are going to be deprived of watching the Fresh Prince I mean, of Bel Air, yeah, man. I mean, it's a classic. My kids on. need to see it. It needs to be on Netflix or Hulu. Well, it, hey, man. Or if, at least if, Disney Plus. If the Big Bang Theory and the Fresh Prince is enough to motivate you to go out and get the <laughs> HBO Max service, then drop Hulu. But but that's what I think the market's saturated. I think all these people think that they can just start a streaming service and we're all going to have 50 different streaming services. Well, it's cable channels all over again. I think, and eventually, oh, yeah. we'll be buying packages of them. Oh, you want Hulu, Netflix, and HBO Plus? We'll sell it to you for twenty seven ninety nine a month. Yeah, well. And, which is still way cheaper. cheaper than, than time. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. But as far I think as, bigger, bigger than that, though, you know, you say you don't care about this. Right. To me, like, what do we do in situations? I, I, don't, I don't know. I want to be clear. I don't care that he lied to Congress. Like, I don't. What? So, so is, does that go for any CEO about anything? Yeah, Big I, pollution I mean, CEO who says, "No, we're not going to pollute anymore. Uh, please just let us off the hook of these fines." Yeah, because and that's Congress not, goes, "Sure, no yeah, problem. I, I We've got your word." No, that's the problem. I don't want Congress taking a CEO's word for anything. Right. You want written agreements. I want, no, I want them to look at AT&T's practices. I want them to look at Time Warner's practices. I want them to invest. If you're okay, if you're doing this, if you're doing antitrust committees and stuff like that and you've got the Congress's investigative body and stuff, I want to I want to dig into memos and stuff. I want to see like what they're planning, what they got in the works in the next. So like, okay, you're losing 50, however many thousand cable subscribers every day. What exactly is your business model in the next 10 years? You know what I'm saying? Tell it's me none that. of your damn business, you know Congress. Show me, show, me, I'd feel. show me some charts on that. But to sit here and say, oh, well, well, you know, Jamie Dimon told us he wouldn't. Like, for fuck's sakes, man. Like, for real? I mean, so I, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying that it's cool for them to go and lie to Congress. I'm just saying, like, this is one of those things, man, where, like, uh, even if we're talking about the, uh, I don't know, insert your favorite animal shelter charity, even if we're talking about them and they want to do some crazy movement that comes before Congress and there has, I don't want to take their word for it either. Like, that's not what we should be basing our decision off of, <laughs> is what I'm getting at. I feel like if we do, we ought to have some form of accountability at the bare, bare minimum. Okay, accountability. Some form of accountability. So, I, so then we get into, like, Trump-type shit, like... Have you got a document that says that that was the plan when they merged? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you don't have a document that says that when he walked into that room, he knew that they were going to build HBO Max and da-da-da-da-da, <laughs> then you've got nothing. He didn't actually, you know what I mean? So it's like beating ourselves up and saying, oh, this guy lied to us and shit. And yeah, man, he 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 did. He sat there in front of the Senate. He knew what they were going to do. And he did everything he could to get what he wanted. Right. And so now... When you, okay, I'll break it into two parts. If you have a choice between AT&T or Time Warner and somebody else, then pick the other people. And if you don't have a choice, then pick people who are trying to expand the market in your local area. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Encourage efforts to get competition. Like, that that's what you do, but like, but you know, expecting CEOs this, tomorrow this to be Mother Teresa is crazy to me. The streaming platform wars, though, for, for, you know, I'm usually pro-competition. Right. Streaming, man, we figured it out. 
we know how to deliver video, low cost, low bandwidth. There's there's almost nothing that competition at this point is going to get you except specific content. So to me, this is one market where less competition would be beneficial to everyone. If there was just one monster, we could make one subscription. I get all the content. That it's is just, the quickest way to watch the price go up. I mean, that's the I mean, thing. you're right. You're it's right. like, you know, that that's, you don't, I think that there is like, this is part of, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily trying to like hit you completely with this, but when I hear that, I want you to know what I hear and what people who I hear, why can't I have everything? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean? And so yeah. you can, if you're willing to pay for it. Well, right? actually, I'd argue you can if you're willing to not pay for it and pirate it. Well, that's true. That's, <laughs> I actually i saw i saw a uh, i saw a really cool meme, and it was like uh, it was like almost stick figures, but uh, it showed this like uh, kid like back in the '90s, and he's pirating or whatever, and he's like, "Heck yeah, man, screw the system!" And then like net, there's like in the next panel, it's like Netflix comes wrong, and he's like, "Oh no, the streaming service that's not bad. What is yeah. it? Eight bucks? Yeah, yeah, no yeah. problem." And then it showed like in the next panel, like. Disney Plus, Hulu, yep. HBO Max, Netflix, all this stuff. And then the next panel, he's back to pirate. Back to pirate. Yeah. And I'm telling you, the more complicated it gets, uh, the more people will pirate. And, you know, that's a balance that the industry has to find. I don't think anyone is going to go back to $300 cable bills. Right. Because that's really, I mean, that's where we were at. We were at yeah. $300 cable bills. God forbid you want, you know, you want sports, you want all that stuff. It's going to yeah. be $300 a month. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's willing to go that far. Yeah. But we're we're starting to approach a hundred dollars a month yeah. for for programming, you know, between no, wait a minute, Netflix, wait a Hulu, what? Disney Plus, HBO Max. You're starting to get close there, aren't you? No, no. Depending on how many still, screens you want to watch at the I same can, time. Okay, hang on, hang on. If I can do Netflix, uh, Hulu, and HBO for like thirty bucks. For thirty bucks? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or no, not HBO. Sorry, Disney Plus. How yeah. many screens is that? Is that uh, for everyone it, it in the house to have a screen? One. You know, uh, yeah. it varies on each one, but but typically. I have enough for all the screens in my house, and then my buddy is you know, using my account <laughs> he's and everything. Got, he's yeah. on the side he's over my, there. He's got yeah. my password. Fair so, enough. So. Yeah, I don't think we're. I mean, again, we're not anywhere near actually the the peak cable levels. The the big thing is is that apparently I think Disney is going to kind of drive some cracking down on that Oof. buddy across town. They're they're talking about Disney said they're not worried about it right now. Yeah. Uh, while they're getting their footing, but like yeah. they they were basically like, if y'all think we're gonna be like Netflix and let everyone have your password, like you're crazy, right? You and Hulu I mean? Hulu has been requiring uh, location access for quite some time now yeah. to yeah. even use the service. And you know they're just gathering data, biding their time when they feel like the market is right, and they'll start cutting that out too. Everyone's got to because they want a bigger piece of the pie. And, you know, our only protection against uh, stuff like that is the good old FCC. I'm sure they'll get involved. And that leads us right into our next story from uh, Marguerite Reardon at CNET doing some good reporting. Uh, They say the Federal Communications Commission will vote on rules later this month for its proposed plan to allocate $20.4 billion with a B in funding to broadband providers serving rural areas in the U.S., uh, the fund, which will be allocated over the next 10 years, so what, $2 billion a year, 
uh, will also be available to cable providers, wireless companies, and electric co-ops, which have traditionally been excluded from such government subsidies in an effort to finally close the rural digital divide. Uh, the program is part of the Rural Digital Opportunity Fund. Uh, that's rebranding and replacement of the Connect America Fund 2 program, which is how we distribute universal service funds, which were provided for in the Telecommunications Act of 1996, which was an update to the Communications Act of 1934, which actually created the FCC. This is obviously super simple for the average guy to understand. Yeah, if, if and you're get not a hold following of. along at home, you're an idiot. So there you go. No, that's it's crazy. But basically, the way this works is back in 1996, they updated the the Communications Act that was from all the way back in 1934, and one of the provisions was that. Uh, they had to provide for advances in technology later on down the road. You know, ipso facto, what we're talking about is they put a provision in there that says that the government, the FCC, has to encourage the building of broadband networks. Right, especially in rural areas where they might not be financially inclined to do so. It was part right. of the agreement in saying, yes, we'll help you, but you guys can't just gouge the urban centers Right. And and leave out the rest of the country, recognizing so, the need for broadband access and telecommunications across the entire nation. Right. And one of the ways that the FCC has, you know, taken to this task, it used to be called the Connect America Fund 2 back when it was uh, not so much about broadband and about making sure that our, our like dial up infrastructure and everything was right. ready to go. Mostly copper um, lines. Is these reverse auctions. So what will happen is. Companies will come in and they say, hey, we'll, we'll run this line and we'll set up this and everything um, if you give us some of that sweet, sweet government cash. And in this particular instance, it's actually not $2 billion a year. The way it works out, I think, is $16.4 uh, billion of that is set aside for the rural communities. And then the balance remaining is actually to... Um, help, uh, what do you call it, upgrade places that already have some broadband. Okay. There are places that have broadband where they're still patchy and stuff. And um, it's it's largely, it's 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 a good thing, you know, I guess. I, I've, <clears throat> I'm so torn on this because I am a fan of using the government to serve underserved areas. At the same time, I feel like when we're talking about capitalism and we're talking about free markets, Part of the reason that you secure profits is to increase your services, mm -hmm. right? And I think as profitable companies, these giant telecom firms should have been saving profits to upgrade their infrastructure. Instead, they gouge the shit out of us for years and years and years until we're begging and clawing for the new hotness. And then they go to big daddy government with their hands out and say, give us billions of dollars to build this stuff out, it it's here's, absolutely here's, ludicrous. We in America have historically had worse broadband mm -hmm. than than underdeveloped countries, than third right. world countries. Like, I, 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 it's hard to square this. Well, and here's the thing: is like I'm I'm right there next to you, right? I I I say this is largely a good thing from the standpoint of something bipartisan is getting done that will help people in rural communities, sure. right? So that's good. That's On good. principle, I hate this. But but a lot of the what you're complaining about goes all the way back 
to like 1912 mm. when AT&T was first like, you know, kind of setting up. And the deal was the guy who was running AT&T back then, he saw that, you know, like I actually I think you've made this exact case before that you can't have multiple people running this network of phone lines across the country. Right. So basically at that point, he got in bed with the government. At the same time, he, you know, they wanted it to be like its own company, but it was also going to be subsidized by the government so that there would be standardization. Yeah. And yeah. everything was hunky-dory until the 60s. What happened in the 60s was all of a sudden with microwave technology, other companies could offer long distance. Now, why is that a problem? That's a problem because what the government agreed to let AT&T do was gouge people and businesses on long distance in order to take that money and then subsidize regular phone service for everyone to make sure that everyone had phone service. And that's why your business line was $86 a month and your home phone was $25 a month. Right. And people thought that this was a great idea for, uh, you know, what is that, 50 years and then the MCIs of the world and other people start getting in on this long distance racket. And now AT&T is hurting. Right. Because this is, it, and I mean, you know, and I could keep going all the way up through when they broke up Mom Bill and everything else. But but are they hurting, though? But, but this is the problem. Are they really hurting? Well, no, they were hurting because they're still obligated to subsidize all right. these phones. And but they've, now lost, they're losing their, they've some, lost their cash cow. To me. This is what goes awry when the government meddles in business, Mm. right? So sure, that dude walked up and said, hey, I think it'd be great if the government underwrote this company I work for. You know what I'm saying? The problem to me lies is when we did it. Yeah. And then we said, so you're going to do this and you're going to provide this at this rate. And, and, you know, of course, there were price caps and everything. I mean, it's about as socialist as it gets. (laughs) Right? I mean, mean, it's corporate welfare. But then at the same time, they get to turn a profit like any other business and they get to do this and they get it's 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 the worst parts of what we both bitch about right like i'm i'm always you know want to slake the government over the coals you always want to slake big businesses over the coals and and this <laughs> Here is we what, have the perfect mesh <laughs> and this is what we end up with we end up with the worst parts of both systems and i think that you know for our broader conversation about you know what we do and and living in the world and how we make things better it's that we realize that commonality and, and you know, we got to look at the situation and say, okay, so do we want to just say, okay, we're going to nationalize this or do we want to free things up? Right. And that's, that's the central decision. But I think everyone has to agree that it has to change. We can't keep doing it this way. Right. We can't keep living in one and not the other. 20, and all that $20 stuff. billion dollar handouts to, to, to increase broadband access that I feel like should be there already. Um, You know, how many, how many wonderful things could we do with $20 billion? You know, how much could we improve healthcare? How much could we improve social security? Could we shore up Kentucky's pension crisis, please? Like, (laughs) I mean, really, there's so many disaster relief for, uh, for hurricanes and oceans that are damaging property on coastlines. Like, there's there's a billion things we could use this money for, and instead we're gonna give it uh, over to these companies so they can make money on Grandpa watching porn tube. Yeah, I mean, 
But Grandpa uh, doesn't have porn tube right now, and Grandpa he needs, needs porn, porn tube. tube. And, you know, I will say, okay, so I actually I I put together some good points from this thing, so that I don't just feel sick about the fact that we're underwriting corporations. Uh, good point number one: a Jeep Pie is continuing an Obama era focus on developing broadband in rural communities, which, despite his fuckery, is pretty good. Yeah, uh, I, it's I, actually. A Jeep Pie continuing something from the Obama administration is 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 amazing. Yeah, it you know? is it is kind of amazing that he's not just chopping it <laughs> off at the head like everything else Obama did. And I gotta say, like, for the jokes I make about about you know the internet being used for porn, that's not the case, man. Right. These rural communities um need to transition um off of things like coal production. And in order to do that, you've got to be able to join the technological revolution. You know, we talked on on the last show about uh, programming jobs mm-hmm. and, and, you know, people being turned away from jobs in automation can get turned on to tech jobs. And you can't do that without right. broadband networks. I mean, right. you just can't. It's impossible. Right. And there's people there's people out there who, who you know, share mine with me. Uh, looking at this situation, and I know what your your initial response is. This is this is a good point, I think, to talk about principles and practicalities, right? Your your initial gut reaction is, well, if the damn government wouldn't have been in bed with the business the entire time and basically telling them you can go make whatever mistakes you want and we'll help you fix it and all that good stuff, maybe these rural communities would have had this shit to begin with. Yeah. Maybe part of the reason why the shit didn't get built is because they knew the government would pay for it eventually Quite if possible. they just waited them out. And that's kind of how I feel. But regardless, even though I feel like that, yes, man, Eastern Kentucky needs internet access. Sure. I can't sit here in good conscience and say, hey guys, uh coal is dead and you're an asshole if you don't go find another set of skills if they don't have the opportunity to do it. Right. And woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, absolutely. I'm 100 percent with you. And going forward, I will soldier on with you folks <laughs> and make that argument. But right now, if we're gonna be doing shit like this. It's cool that we're doing this, and it's also cool that all this sexy-ass broadband money will be available for the first time to more than just the AT&Ts and Verizons of the world. Right. I'm really glad that they've expanded it, and they're offering it to more and different types of companies so that you know we're not completely on the teat of AT&T. That's it, not, so not only are we in the government teat, but we're also on the teat of these major corporations. I would be, I would be super stoked if small companies were able to take advantage of this money and build mm-hmm. small ISPs in these rural communities. Yeah. People are doing it with uh, wireless access points that are relatively cheap to start up. You can start a small ISP. Some of the regulations actually have been lifted by Ajit Pai yep. to enable that to happen. So hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully that results in small businesses popping up in these rural locations, employing techs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think it could be a really good thing. You also mentioned that this has largely bipartisan support, right? Right. Well, well it, of course, this has large bipartisan support yeah. because this, this both parties have no problem in propping up big giving business money to AT&T. with yeah, billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. Seems if there's any like connection between the parties, it's that. There, there is some disagreement about um, whether or not the maps that the FCC uses to say, okay, this community has broadband, uh, this community doesn't have any. 
uh, some Democrats, you know, on the Hill have said that those maps are inaccurate and they don't right. accurately reflect. They were you know, quibbling about like the definition of broadband yeah. at the time the maps were created and whether that fits the definition now that, right. it, you know, whether it's broadband. But by and large, that's all that's most all of the people quibbles. in Congress and even most of the you know Democrats and Republicans and FCC are all for it because they want to rain them gigs on them underserved voters. <laughs> I mean, constituents, you know. No, they know if they're the person who helped bring internet access to Eastern Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky's going to vote for them. Sure. And, you know what I mean? So they're Trump probably it. loves it. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's his country. Uh, the other thing I liked is that the, uh, the lowest bid gets the funds. That's how the auction works. If you say, I can do this and, you know, this amount of money, they're like, we'll give you this money. That's a double-edged sword. But in the event of a tie... Higher speed plans get preference. So, I mean, if you're going to do it, that's the way to structure it. Yeah. So and the, now the key is, if we're going to do this damn thing, then I want the speed that was promised. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have to, you the, can't, that uh, traditionally what we like to do when the government gives out money is we give them out money and then we say, oh, what's that? The bulletproof vests we don't work or made or we bought or made a paper mache. Right. And and that's you know. how, that's how these, uh, these broadband funds have historically gone too. We've had right. cases where they've promised speeds and, and under delivered. Yeah. I think the, the lowest bid thing is kind of a double-edged sword though, because Large businesses who already have established hierarchies, they already have supply chains, they already have uh, techs and stuff, are able to bid lower than a newcomer coming in, you know? So that kind of does inculcate the big guys still, um, but, you know, maybe someone's got an idea yeah. and a dream. and maybe, Yeah, maybe a dude's <laughs> willing to cut his throat just to, you know, just to get out there and get in the game, yeah. you know? Yeah, So here's hoping. Um, Speaking of cutting throats... Oh, right. You're you're talking about him. Well, yes, everybody, because of some unforeseen technical complications last week, he's Our back. license ran out. He's uh he's here and uh I'm sure the most cold hearted and wicked among you have been patiently waiting for this week's Beanzo segment. Beanzo, what do you got? Nope, not this time. What what do you mean not this time? I I, I mean I'm not doing it this time i'm done. no i mean you're here just just do the damn fact not gonna why do it, it why does it always have to be no, no man no you're contractually no. obligated no we have no we no all right no. all right fine no. i'm bringing no. the damn bot back no. oh oh You'll, yeah that bot yeah. worked out real good for you last yeah, time no, i'm gonna bring we'll, oh, we'll fix yeah. the bugs and oh, then you're never gonna work in this yeah. town again oh, oh no what do you think about that whatever will i do well you'll you'll not do much at all because i Damn it, Beans. Well, wasn't that a travesty? Um, interesting. Anyway, uh, Theory, you want to come back and have a seat, dude? Whatever. So, uh, how you doing there, big guy? I'm fine. You, you holding up all right? No. You, you want a soda? No, I don't want a soda. Maybe listen to a little Taylor Swift? I just, God. Damn it. Hello folks, this is Theory, one-third of the Sense and Theory podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as we did making it, but I want to take a moment to remind you that the discussion doesn't end here. Pop on over to senseandtheorypodcast.com where you'll find all the necessary links to tell us how brilliant and or stupid we are on social media. If you like what we're doing here and want to help us with the crippling cost of all the writers in Beanzo's contract, check out our page at patreon.com slash senseandtheory. 
If you can't chip in financially but still want to show your support, you can always rate and review us on iTunes or just tell your friends and family about us. Either way, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.